we recently completed work on our October 19th issue, which will be available on our website on October 8th. We have a number of items on our cover of the October 19th issue, including an editorial on the uh, testimony of Brett Kavanaugh, a story from Eduardo Penalver about structural reform for the Supreme Court entitled More Justices, Shorter Tenures, and a story as well. Actually, it's a column from our managing editor, Catherine Lucky, her first column in Commonweal, and it's entitled Nasty Woman. So we're here at the one-year anniversary, as the cover of The Economist reminds us now, Me Too, one year on. Given what's going on in terms of the general revelations uh, related to the Me Too movement and Brett Kavanaugh's testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee, we thought that this would make a pretty good package uh, for our issue. And I'm here talking to Kate now about her piece, Nasty Woman, Female Rage Must Be Powerful, Not Petty. And before we talk, Kate, I think I'd just like to read one line from your column which really, I think, for me, stuck out, and I think it'll stick out for our readers and give you maybe something to talk about. Women live in cultures, too, and I worry what this one might do to us. A very provocative line. So why don't you talk about your piece a little bit? Sure. So I wanted to write this column in response as many of my writing is, to a tendency that I noticed in myself that I wasn't particularly fond of, which has been a tendency to direct what I see is very righteous, politically motivated, and wholly appropriate and wholly in the spiritual sense, anger in unhelpful, petty, or self-righteous ways. Um, so let me explain that a little bit. In the conversations right now, uh, particularly about the testimony of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, we've seen a lot of championing of women's anger that now women in the Me Too era are finally able to screw up their faces and get angry, write protest signs, raise their voices, cry in a way that's motivated by rage, and enact expressions of this emotion that men have been able to for a long time and that's actually seen as productive for their careers or for their public image, not something that is a strike against them and that this is seen as a wholly good thing. And I agree with the gist of that conversation. I think that in response to allegations of assault, in response to the hearings that we watched uh, last Thursday, and in response to Dr. Ford's testimony, anger is an entirely appropriate emotional response, and indeed the correct one in my mind. So there's that side of the equation and that side of the cultural conversation, which I agree with. The other side of the coin, though, is something that I notice, as I've said in myself, which is a tendency to be angry at men in sort of a generalized, diffuse way, not angry at the patriarchal culture that can create things like the pay gap or power relations at work that are skewed or sexual assault, but anger at men simply for being men, for having opinions, for speaking up. And it's something that I noticed in my graduate school classrooms that we would sort of discredit the stories that men submitted or the essays that they wrote or pick them apart and be uncharitable to them in a way that we weren't to the women's papers. Uh, it's something I notice in conversations with male friends, with my husband, um, that sort of anything that they say, especially in conversations with friends and my husband around sensitive topics like Title IX or consent or agency or the relations between a boss and an employee or a professor and a student, I find it very difficult for myself to listen to those male voices. And to say that that's important is, again, not to say that any anger that I feel or a 
a joy at, at being able to speak my mind is unwarranted or unwanted. It's just to say that these two things can live together, that anger can become corrosive and petty and nasty in a bad way, just as it can be powerful, motivational, and bring about justice. So I wanted to draw a distinction between those different applications of anger. And when I say that I'm worried about what this culture might do to us, I mean exactly that. I mean that I'm worried that anger will become vindictive or a way to shut the men that we have to and should you know, live and work with every day out of the process of change and in turn inhibit that change. I'm interested, Kate, too, and I don't necessarily mean for you to get super personal or anything like that, but you do mention, of course, in this piece, you referred to it just now, uh, sometimes even speaking to your husband or having these encounters with your husband. And I know that certainly a number of us who are married or who are in relationships sort of find ourselves in these moments, in any given moment, of ready to spar or do battle or fight uh, when we might not necessarily have felt this way a year ago. Is that sort of your kind of understanding of things too, or your experience? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's funny to have all of this be in the context of my husband because I've been married for <laughs> two months or so. So that in <laughs> itself is <laughs> a new thing and changes the conversation, I guess, a little bit because now we live together. But um, yes, I think that, again, what's problematic about the anger for me in this particular situation is that I'm angry with someone who actually is in agreement with me on many of these concerns. So mm -hmm. someone who is appalled at sexual assault, who watched the hearings and the highlights from them along with me and was equally outraged, someone who is not a perfect person, as I am not, but who treats women with the utmost respect, his colleagues and his friends, and comes down on the same side as I do on essentially everything related to, you know, issues of sex and gender. And so for me, that's part of my diagnosis that something about this anger was wrong, that the fact that I would interrupt him or say, oh, but did you see her face that this is what she meant? Or if he would try to bring up some sort of hole in the really the, the liberal side of things, you know, oh, this evidence doesn't seem quite clear. Or, oh, this allegation may not be credible. Even if I agreed with him about those things, I'd find myself pushing back, which is not the kind of conversational partner I want to be, certainly not the kind of life partner that I want to be. But again, also, I think we'll just impede women's ability to be part of the conversation in a productive way. And I say that not because women should always be pretty or polite in their displays of anger, but because we all should have a level of civility and respect for each other when we speak. And we have to channel emotion that we feel into the right avenues. And that's that's probably not towards the people that we live and work with that agree with us or are doing their best or make mistakes and apologize. Um, then that just turns into grudges and barriers that can't be surpassed. What would you like to see sort of in six months or the next 12 to 18 months? Where do, where do we go from here, given what you've laid out in this column? I think that in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of really great writing from women in The Times and in The Atlantic and Rebecca Traster's new book, Good and Mad, about female anger, that this is the era of female anger. And I think, yes, but the direction I'd like to see the conversation going in is how that anger can be used appropriately and how that anger is not always a positive good. It's not always a good thing for women to be having to pull at their hair and scream and get angry. It sometimes is, but it isn't always. And I feel like the cultural commentary that I've seen on this is so caught up in 
the moment and in the power that women finally feel themselves to possess that it is treating anger only as that positive good. And I completely understand that. I understand that because for so long, women have been relatively powerless in the workplace and in their homes and in the legal system. But I also think that in order for the conversation to be heard by people on the other side and also to sort of preserve our own <laughs> selves on a spiritual level, mm -hmm. our own souls, we have to nuance our emotions a little bit. Not to be biased, but I think women are quite good at that. So I'm pretty hopeful <laughs> about the, the way that the conversation will, will go. Kate Lucky's column is Nasty Woman. Female rage must be powerful, not petty, and it's featured in our October 19th issue, but will be available on the website before that. So look for it. Thank you, Kate. Thank you.